Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at No Clutch Nate. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm one of the uh, the hosts of a podcast called Supergirl Radio. I have a YouTube channel where I talk about Zack Snyder's films, his DC films. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. And you can actually, while you're there, you can see an interview I did with uh, Zack Snyder himself uh, when I met him at Full Circle. So if you are interested in him talking about the meaning of Batman v Superman, which I uh, love. So you can go check it out over there. I'm so glad you mentioned it because I was going to bring it up if you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely great interview. And I watched um, a lot of people had a chance to speak with him. I think uh, um, uh, uh, Andrew Dice of uh, BVS by the Minute. Uh, Stephen Colbert. uh, I said Colbert. It's Stephen Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Colbert. Uh, Yeah. uh, BVS by the Minute. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And a a bunch of others uh, from, uh, you know, the, the, dceu community i don't know what the community is called but uh it's 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 all the people who do podcasts and and youtube uh shows uh centered around bvs like all the people on twitter i basically follow they went to full circle they all got a chance to interview him as well and i i just enjoyed watching everyone's interview and talking um seeing them talk to him um because that that to me is just like i don't know i just i was really smiling every time i saw all the all the content that people were were filming when they were there, um, it just looked like a really great time. But your interview specifically, I, I remember when you posted that uh, just on Facebook because we're friends on Facebook, and I was just like, "Whoa, this is incredible!" So, congrats on on meeting Zach. Oh it yeah, seems- no, it was it was great because I had done this like uh, over a year long series about looking at the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes and their reviews of Batman v Superman: uh, Dawn of Justice, and I was thinking about how critics review movies and films and I, I I kind of picked up on a formulaic way that they all wrote about the reviews they would talk about the kind of the premise of the movie and then they would talk about the different acting performances and they would say I hated this I like this whatever and then it would end and then I thought well that's kind of a, a silly way to review and discuss a film and so I've been thinking about well how how should I do it better how should I do it better and then I thought how do film crit- how how do actual filmmakers when they sit down to watch a movie what are they looking for how do they mm-hmm. assess whether a film is good or bad and so that was one of the questions that uh, I was able to uh, ask him about and he gave a really thoughtful wonderful answer about uh, just how he experiences a film and so that that was very informative for me uh, to take it into that next time I talk about a film what what am I gonna um, uh, assess it like in terms of that so I thought it was a really cool thing because I'd never heard anybody really ask a filmmaker like how do you watch movies like wh- how do you mm-hmm. how do you determine whether a film is good or bad or do you uh, so that's uh, one of the questions that I got to ask him absolutely a f- fantastic interview um, today we're talking about our final final minute with Rebecca it's been an absolute joy to have you oh on gosh, the show so again fun. yeah yeah it's, it's, uh, and, and to close out our, our journey for you know this this cinematic universe i mean Zack snyder's justice league unless we get a sequel and then we're then we're back on you know <laughs> but um yeah thank you for joining us on, on the last one to, t- to you know to close out the the trilogy that we have and um you know today we're talking about minute 135 of part four change machine it's going to start with cyborg saying that the mother box slept for 
thousands of years. Uh, and then the minute's going to end saying that that very mother box has gone back to sleep. So something has happened with Silas Stone and this mother box and Victor Stone. Um, and so it's been sleeping for thousands of years. And for a moment, it, it is forced, reawoken uh, to perform a, an, an act. And then it goes back to sleep. So this this moment here, this minute, is the creation of Cyborg from Victor Stone by Silas Stone. So it's quite a, a powerful performance from Ray Fisher in this minute. Um, but yeah, Rebecca, what did you think about this minute? <laughs> I am interested in the idea that Cyborg can, through technology, put himself into his past. So I I was wondering if maybe like if he's taking surveillance footage, camera footage from inside the lab, and I, I don't know how he does that. Does he does he use the the footage to then allow himself to go in there through whatever world he creates? Because we saw him create a world in the previous minute. So I I I'm curious about the idea of like him being able to confront his past through technology. Like like he comes face to face with himself. Yeah. So I think and visually that's incredible uh but uh, thinking maybe too hard about it like how does he put himself into that situation where he can be uh facing his past i think that's such a cool idea no i think you're i think you're right on so many levels um (laughs) so like we know uh trauma in this world um we get it from a guy that dresses up in in cool pointy ears and jumps off of buildings (laughs) right this is trauma on a level that no one can comprehend because we can't recreate moment for moment the exact and feeling probably i'm assuming that cyborg is creating in this apocalyptic thought process that he can do now so yeah i think you're right i assume that he is reliving every single moment of everything um and it really is incredible. Mark, you said it was one of, you know, a performance. It really is. I, I think so. Um, I think I've seen a lot of criticism about um, <clears throat> Ray Fisher uh, doing the scream. Like, we did see it in, like, the, the found footage from the LexCorp file and everything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but it's more than that now. I think before when we were seeing it, we were seeing a beginning of a transformation, but we it was still something that was unknown to us. We didn't know Ray Fisher. We didn't hear him speak. We didn't know what how tall he was. We didn't see him on screen at all. You know, we didn't know what kind of relationship he had with anybody. Um, so it was really just like, oh yeah, that's Victor Stone, and he's getting turned into cyborg. Okay, cool. And then the scream was like, you know, I guess movie screen phone dinner whatever um now we get the full picture um mm-hmm. so like it's still the same scream from before it's like it's the same sound clip it's the same everything right um which is a level of continuity that i get, get aroused over um it makes you wonder if they filmed <laughs> like the scene then yes. or is this filmed and uh, and if that for, is for the, the case, then the then the mere acting is like, oh, you should probably 
like get more than an award (laughs) (laughs) you should probably like be uh, accredited on other levels that are you know more than uh, just highly artistic you know and performance wise um i think ray fisher is an incredible um stage performance and i think he plays this victor stone cyborg character so amazing um Mm-hmm. And I understand why people, um, I understand why people like are still new to the fact that like you have to remind them. It's like, no, he's like the heart. He's like the center. That's he's the hero. He's the Superman here. Superman's dead. This isn't a Superman movie. This is a cyborg movie, right? It's new Superman. It's he is the Superman, right? Um, and I think people like getting still still that realization of being like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right that's also like a big deal um because it's what do we call it sleeper hits mark uh Mm -hmm. it's like ray fisher is like you are performing like crazy the moment after he says what we're watching on screen right now um you know he says he messed with technology he didn't understand he turned me into this um that line and that reflection of the character of cyborg in relation to victor stone the football player and like the angst that he feels against himself and his father and the choices that he made is something that is like you were supposed to be giving that in Teen Titans step by step and actually giving teen angst, not like, hey, friendship. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I get that. That's great. No, that is what the message is. But like, I need <laughs> I I I need some angst right now if we're going to be like this moment here and um, this transformation that is so beyond your control that is a Frankenstein's monster. Like, how else are you supposed to see this? Especially from a kid that was just in high school, you know? Like, mm-hmm. what else does he have to go about? Um, it's just an incredible performance. Um, him having to relive all of this seeing the actual body form and seeing the pain that it brings him is something that I don't think many people think about, um, that this change machine is doing just that. It is changing organics and solids and technology together. Mm -hmm. That's the, uh, biomechatronic. Yeah. That's like keyword they use there. It's gotta be painful, you know? I mean, yeah. They say that going through a Star Trek transporter doesn't hurt, but, you know, it's like your molecules are getting separated and ripped apart and put back together. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I probably... Hopefully in the correct order. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, well, it's got a tingle, uh, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> So, like, this is like, yeah, no, he's doing the right thing. It probably does tingle, but um, that's, that's uh, an understatement. It's probably the most horrible pain you'll ever feel in your life. You're metamorphosizing. Yeah, and oh my and gosh. do you think butterfly? Do you think it hurts butterflies to come out of a chrysalis? Uh, n- uh oh, that's a good question. They that's not kind of like either. Um, that shouldn't be like a serial killer question. It's not that as was, pretty okay. as you think. That's <laughs> I know that's that's one thing about. I mean, it, I've but... wa- I've spent a lot of time watching butterfly come out of chrysalis and <laughs> do their do their walk around and find the sunspot to dry out their wings and do that whole thing, and it's a whole afternoon, and it's some of the most. It's really it's incredible. It really is because it's like a creature that is just following its instinct and you're like and every single one does it. And you're like, wow, that's it's really cool. Anyway, 
you think it hurts? <laughs> it's probably uncomfortable. I mean, you're, it's gotta be right. You're changing. Transition a little bit, yeah. The mother box here is deciding. You know, I if if, and I'm gonna jump around a bit for this minute. I but, do it all the uh, time, buddy. You're on with, with Silas Stone. I mean, does is it is it enacting a, a wish? You know, it's like your wish is my command. It just won't be pretty. You know, it's gonna hurt. Who knows? Um, but but you know, he activates a mother box. He doesn't fully understand yet. It gets the job done, bringing my son back to life or saving his life. Um, so somehow it, it, it does what, what, what he, what he wills it to do. Um, and, and it's painful, but, um, yeah, there's so much to love about the performance of Victor Stone in this minute. Um, specifically two things, um, I really like about, uh, the way that they portray cyborg in, in this film. And one is I was listening closer with this one. I kind of had the volume up. Um, and I had the the minute playing on my computer and I was listening closer. He does have a, a very subtle voice modulation. Yes. When he Not turns like into this. Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a voice modulation underneath mm-hmm. to to um, kind of meld the biomechatronic. Turn uh, me into pers- this. And it's like yeah. Transformers. And you're like, oh, you, you hear you hear it a little bit <laughs> right. uh, throughout the minute. Yeah, and then the other thing I really like is I, I love I love the pupil in the 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 red eye. That is not just a solid red eye color, but when he looks around, um, and I, I notice it as well when he's changing the ID badge at Star Labs to get Barry Allen into the facility. Mm-hmm. Um, you see in his mind, he's having like rapid eye movement, even though his eyelid is closed. But since this one doesn't have an eyelid, it's just rapid eye movement until he gets the 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 ID changed for Barry. Uh, but this is a really good shot here because you see it. Um, he's got his eyes closed. He's looking down, even though his eyes are closed. But the other, the red eye, will you know you could follow the pupil because there is no eyelid. So there's moving movement like that that I really enjoy. I think it's a great visual touch for um, the visual effects. So I really enjoy that. Um, and then I was thinking uh, to Rebecca's question about you know how is it that he's able to recreate these memories? Um, and the the human mind is already so impressive i mean yeah there's server farms and server farms and supercomputers can can barely do what the human mind can do i mean when we think about um like just brain recalling synapses. memories i mean we we transmit data almost in, in petabytes if we were to somehow quantify data and so uh, the 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 human brain is like a supercomputer they, they quantify the speed of thought is that just like how is that it's, just speed it, of synapse? And we're talking about synapse? like if we is had to if, if we're trying to equate equate like recalling memories and stuff and how the brain is able to process things. Anyways, I'm saying that the human brain alone is already a supercomputer, but to then be a mother box supercomputer brain, um then I was thinking, so yes, of course, he could probably recreate so many things with so many resources to creating memories, but also not just his memories, but I mean the Italian monastery. That's not his memory. That has to be the the mother box's memory. Doesn't he, does he not share a connection with the mother box? And so he's he's able to recreate memories because he has he has both memories. Yes, now. he has someone else's memory. He has the or, mother boxes. Or is he also maybe pulling like newsreel footage? I think that's of, more like it. Of like what it was like during World War Two. Yeah, because like, because he can access any oh yeah technology. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's more like what because the mother box. I imagine after the, the the separation, they quote went to sleep and then got put into a metal box. So 
uh, knowing what is happening outside of that thing, it's just going back to Schrodinger's box type thing. It you don't, you know, it's, I don't think the mother box was aware of what was taking place after they got separated from the first unity. Um, Although Mark, I think that's a really cool idea though, because cyborg and the mother boxes do have a shared connection. So there could be something in it to where he, he can kind of sense what the mother boxes are, for lack of a better word, or maybe feeling or or, yeah. or have experienced. So I think that's a, a really uh, thought-provoking uh, comment there. Who knows? I mean, uh, I mean, if, if the mother boxes are sleeping, who knows if those cases are even, you know, we, we, we thought they were suppressing them, but they're really not. They're just, the mother boxes are just sleeping. If they wanted to, they could break out. Mm. Um, but there's uh, there's Kryptonians on Earth. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, so uh, it just wasn't the time for them to wake up. And uh, yeah, but uh, it, it's just the either way. The the, the minute we have here is, is just quite impressive, and um, everything that that Silas Stone is able to do to to get this mother box to to activate and restore Cyborg and to get this performance by Ray Fisher is just. It's it's a powerhouse, literally. <laughs> I, I like the way uh, he says something about uh, I was alive, and then he repeats alive. Yeah. And when I watch it, even to this day, I I think it, I almost like I, I pause and I'm like, is there a glitch in the system? Did he did he mean to like repeat it? Um, but there's there's emphasis on it that he that he's thinking about what it means to be alive, but. It yes. almost fe- it almost feels like a mistake that he repeats it, but um, he, there's emphasis on I was alive, but I was turned into this, and so I it, it almost feels like a mistake sometimes when I watch it, but I think it's there for emphasis. Yeah, it seems just like the way of that's very um, um, storybook esque dialogue. Um, yeah, I don't even know who to pull from at that point. Like, uh, it's not I'm not American to be honest with you. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like I was alive, semicolon alive, but yeah. turned into this. Like by definition of alive, but I'm not. This is not. Do you consider this alive? I'm more machine right. than anything. Like, what is? Where's? What if the power goes out? That's not alive. Is that dead, or am I just turned off? You know that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think it was just a really good, this is, uh, this is, I think this is amazing monologue. (laughs) Yeah. I think the the repetition of alive is, is, is very powerful to, to me. I mean, it's like alive, but at at what cost? Um, and then, you know, what, what, what is truly alive? Like you said, you know, um, he, he repeats the same thing, um, earlier in the film when he first meets Diana. And mm-hmm. she uses the word gifts. And he goes, gifts? Like, this is not a gift. Like, this, it's still, like, that so much self-doubting. And it's, you know, it comes along with these these hero stories and and mutant stories as well. Um, but these, these troubled people that, sorry, these troubled people that do not see uh, their ability as, as a gift. It's, oh, my god! He didn't want gifts. It's a curse. Um, no, he didn't want. Gi- he didn't need a gifts. He wanted a father. He wanted his yeah, dad at his he football his dad game. To show up at a football game. That's all. 
It says Yeah, that that says a lot about Victor's humanity and what it means to be human and uh, I think that's a that's a great uh, story progression or a theme that comes out of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, Superman and his humanity and what humanity thinks about him and then you have this this other character who started out as a human, a very typical human, college football player, had a lot of success, had a family, and then something happens to him and he becomes, in his mind, I guess, less than human. So um, I think that's a really cool exploration of what it means to be human. How can Victor find that? Does he find that by the end of the film? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it still just solidifies the fact that this is like the the passing of the torch of this Superman is something that is, I think, new um, within this realm of these characters. And it's something that I, I, I don't think was ever really looked at until <laughs> until this point where this team this 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 Terrio team and Snyder team and <laughs> and and Goyer and they're all just like taking these character archetypes and and 70 years worth of of character progression that they have in this in this world and kind of sprinkling and and making more connective tissue between everybody um i mean the fact that the justice league in in this movie is not so much as um just like you know the different characters static uh, characters yeah it's not just a motley crew of heroes with different abilities you know everybody is there for a reason and they all connect within each other whether they like it or not um and like the again this 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 new creation of this cyborg victor stone being the modern superman that is like can you imagine if lex luther like would he have a gripe with him if if victor stone was doing and going and acting unilaterally would he? Yeah, because no, it's not that God about... complex isn't there. I think it's his, that God has, complex has to has to like forcefully he has a, be removed. He just has inferiority complex because it's of his father. It's like it's some sort of child abuse that he has to take out on the rest of the world. It's just it's not just that, but it's also the fact that that and and it's but and it's he lies ab- and it's knowledge. He and lies it's, and about it's ability. It. It's human ability. I'm sorry. I just think no, 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 no. I just I I think he um he says he says things about you know well planetary security is a famous keyword, but um he always acts like uh he's he's against Superman because he challenges the whole human race and it's like no, just be real for a moment. It's challenging you because your father never you know, gave you the, the, never gave you the, the acceptance that you, that you craved or, or, um, man, what is the word I'm trying to say here? But, um, not acceptance, but there's like, uh, confirmation that, that you yourself are, you know, highly intelligent and, and whatnot. And so, yeah, he would also have a problem with cyborg because it challenges his, his place in the universe, not the human race, just him. And I, I think he, I think he suffers from something. He's, he needs a therapist. Not that's, that's a really interesting discussion because for me, Lex Luthor went after Superman so hard because he, he hated God. 
God did not save him from being abused by his father. And so he found the set, the next best thing that he could think of that was like God, but he needed to take that vengeance out on a God. And so he saw Superman as that. Yeah. And what I, th- what I think is interesting about the connection to Cyborg here is that what Silas is sort of doing in a way is that he's creating a new version of man he's he's kind of assuming the the creator role in this that he's it's it's not quite you know god and adam but it's it's kind of creating this new version of adam in in some ways so i i, I like those uh i don't know if they would be called like allusions to those kinds of things uh, allusions with an a um but the the idea of playing with the the god imagery in that i think is really fascinating to me um it's and it shouldn't go without being noticed because that imagery is and should be and is supposed to be present in this realm of dc comics and everything um and it's more so from what i imagine it's more so of uh a way of just going back to classic and and the way of storytelling and how humans are supposed to um um uh Oh my gosh, what are, what are we trying to th- say right now? How humans are supposed to relate those idolistic figures because that is what we know, right? It's from those stories and everything. And when writers are able to like play around with those using different characters like characters in comic books and, you know, all-powerful beings like Superman and um jealous beings like Lex Luthor and everything and then peppering in kind of a newer version of that with cyborg um just is i think used for just uh like a better way of storytelling <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. more imaginative imaginative um than just good versus evil like there is more elements that you can relate to other things and it's not just man versus god or a fear of god or a respect or a love and and praise out of the figure and everything and it trickling down into comic book you know medium um it's more than that um one thing i did want to say still in this realm of things kind of going back to the lex luther thing um rebecca you're right it was more i got it more out of um a man challenging god um and man above god And Lex Luthor's problem was God being above man because in his mind, God didn't exist because God didn't save him from the trauma of his father. Not just solely because there was trauma from his father and he has daddy issues. It is an inferiority complex, but Lex Luthor, Alexander Luthor Jr., found comfort and power in knowledge and obtained all of the knowledge and was working to obtain even more of the knowledge from other worlds and from other knowledgeable libraries from a one scout ship and everything so his thing was knowledge over power he had a problem with that and now superman kal-el horus comes down in raw form and he was tangible he could touch him that was the biggest problem as well he could touch him there was at a party and he smacked me. He said, that is a strong handshake. You should not pick a fight <laughs> with this person. That man, knowledge, all the knowledge you can ever have as a, as a human, touched God and didn't like it. Got a problem with it, right? So him seeing Cyborg, I like to think that 
this is what Lex Luthor wanted. Like if Lex Luthor could have created a God in man's image, maybe that it would be something like this modernistic, modern technological bio, bio biomechatronic (laughs) being um, that is all knowing omnipotent of both earth and apocalypse and the stars. Um, So would Lex Luthor have a problem with Cyborg? Probably because like he didn't do it, but also, and it's not him. Um, but also like, I think it's more of like an amazement kind of thing. Like how people are amazed at, at, at data, you know, it's like, oh, that's an mm-hmm. android. Androids don't exist. Like, that's incredible. How did you do that? That's crazy. Yeah. That's such a good discussion about uh, <laughs> I think Lex so. Luthor and Cyborg because because he cyborg does have all of the knowledge yeah but he is part human and i think lex luther would respect that because he yeah. he wanted he That's wanted it. mankind to be and especially like if you read the lex luther man of steel comic book series which i love mm-hmm. um and i think that uh jesse eisenberg's lex luther is pulled largely uh from that yeah. series that he uh, one of his big biggest gripes in that comic book series is that he doesn't like that Superman has already achieved everything that mankind yeah. wants to achieve. And uh, so I think he would – that's such an interesting conversation about what, what would Lex Luthor think of Cyborg. Because um, I think you're right, Nate, that he would be mad that somebody else did it. Yeah. <laughs> he, w- he would have wanted to do it himself. Um, so that's that's such a really um, I would I would be worried for Cyborg because I think Lex would probably you oh, know, yeah. try to manipulate him into doing something Absolutely. that he wanted him to do. Yeah. But but for the sure. idea that that Cyborg is a creation by someone else, but is also achieving a power and knowledge that Lex would want to achieve for himself. Uh, well, that's such a cool discussion. Yeah. Or yeah, and 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 maybe the files he because he has the the metahuman files and he. He knows of Cyborg and his creation, but um, is he interested in the mother box itself? Like, does and and of course he's he's communing with with Steppenwolf about the mother boxes as well. So he has all that information, and I'm I'm pretty sure Lex Luthor was supposed to play a bigger role in the Justice League sequel or the second film, rather, and and starting to speak with with Desaad, I think was um, what was uh some of the story beats um but yeah then what what would lex luther um what would his motivation be with with the mother boxes in play because um the mother boxes aren't destroyed by the end of this film right they're just separated and they fall to the floor and who knows what happens afterwards so um you know just what what would happen if lex luther had a mother box so. And and Lex Luthor did want to pursue something with the mother boxes because we saw at the end of Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, he's the one who uh, has some contact. We we see through the the stuff in the scout ship. It looks like Steppenwolf is coming out of there, and so he there's some connection between Lex and those mother boxes and Steppenwolf and Apocalypse. So yeah, uh, yeah. To me, that goes back to the Hitler question: like, yeah. what would happen yep. if Hitler got in control yeah, of the mother just, boxes? What what would happen thought. if yeah, what would happen if Lex Luthor got in, in control of the mother boxes? How terrifying would that be? Bad news bears all around. <laughs> wasn't that now I'm thinking and I can't remember. Wasn't doesn't his family come from Germany? Isn't there a line about Oh there Ger- is. is that yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, waving flowers, throwing flowers at tyrannical dictators, and yeah. There yeah. is something like that, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right, Chris Terrio. <laughs> <laughs> I see it. I see the framework here. All right. Then that's the full circle Lex Luthor becomes what he hates. Mankind has had a history of human atrocities following people of power. What was it? Wasn't that the line from Dawn of Justice as well? From uh, the uh, it all it all comes the back. Must there be a Superman? <laughs> yes. Thing. Yeah. Get, see, it's all it's all connected. It's beautiful storytelling. It's beautiful it's dialogue. poetry. Really is what is. it is. Yeah. Honestly, it, it it it's able to invoke conversations like this, and it's not just like what kind of sweatpants is what brand of sweatpants is. Cyborg Ray. That was such a stupid question that I couldn't even finish it. Like I couldn't <laughs> bother myself to to finish the thought of what it was. Anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It, it's conversations like this that I enjoy having, anyways. Uh, as, as a part to why is Batman and Superman fighting? Why are they Why are they fighting? Yeah. You know, like stuff like that. That it's like, uh, just finish watching the movie. I don't know. Just, <laughs> Have a cover. So uh, th- we've always had um, with people with varying opinions about these these movies, and I've always enjoyed having them on talk about it. And 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 thankfully, a lot of uh, I, I think almost every guest we've had on on the show, uh, if they didn't like the movie, uh, we're still able to have these kind of conversations and, and play around with this stuff. And to me, that's that's real analysis. That's real reviewing, like reviewing. Um, instead of uh, casting judgment on a, on a work of art made by hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people working on on a on a several hour moving picture story. So um, yeah, it's just this incredible to talk about uh, what we have now. Like you know, we can always go back and watch these movies, but it's always fun to also talk about what we could have and the potential, the potential energy of this cinematic universe that is only like four or five movies in at the time. Um, and, you know, if we think of, of it as just a trilogy between Man of Steel to Zack Snyder's Justice League, the potential uh, energy of this cinematic universe is, it's just wild. It's just, there's a, it's almost like a, uh, a big bang theory of, of just energy that uh, different threads that we can go on and talk about, like where it could have gone. Do, um, I have a, do I have a, do I have a sound clip for a bazinga now? I mean, like, no, do I need no, to get that? No, <laughs> don't do it. I'm editing this one. You're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know, I would put it in there. Yeah. yeah. And you know, um, I put it in bad too. <laughs> uh, but uh, no yeah. timing. Th- um, what I was gonna say is, I I just I just thank you, Rebecca, for joining us to to talk about you know the movie in this way and and to continuing to do so. I mean, even not on 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 our podcast alone, but you do it as well um, with 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 not just Zach's movies either, but with Supergirl. I mean, Supergirl Radio. I mean, you had um, what was it, five seasons in total? That was Supergirl. Six seasons. Six. Yeah. It did have a six season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we don't like to talk about it much. It was not very good, but it did exist. Yeah, it, it did happen. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I always tell people that Supergirl season one is like my favorite DC TV 
season of, of a TV show. Um, I, I do like Superman and Lois a lot, but Supergirl season one, I think, is such a solid season of TV. Um, and so I, I just wanted to thank you because like to to sit here and talk to us and, and to talk about all these crazy strands, it's like um, Supergirl as well. You can, I mean, you, get, you can go down that path as well with all the, the kryptonite mythology as well. So um, I, I leave the floor to you, Rebecca. Is there anything else you wanted to, to add on to today's episode? I'm just so grateful that uh, y'all allow me to come back on and chat with you guys because I always learn something. I always uh, pick up something that I didn't think about before. And uh, I, to me, that goes back to the idea that, um, you know, people make these films, people write these scripts, but in the end, the ultimate goal is to share them. Yes. And it's not, it's not something that, you know, uh, that you could just watch it on your own and just kind of consume it or whatever, but it's more fun to share it. It's more fun to talk about it. Uh, and for all the talk of these movies not being fun, I think that's what part of the fun for me is the analysis and digging into it and asking these questions and going further into to figure out what the filmmaker or the screenwriter was wanting to talk about. So I appreciate you letting uh, me uh, hang out with y'all and talk about these things. And I hope maybe one day I can convince you to come on my YouTube channel and talk more about why you love the Snyderverse and the meaning that you find in it. Please. Uh, because, because I would like to start a series where I talk to fans about because, uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, talk about Zack Snyder or Snyderverse fans in particular about yeah. how toxic we are and how we're so terrible. But that's not been my experience. All the people that I've talked to uh, have had really thoughtful conversations about why there's there's a reason why everybody loves these movies and feels connected to them. And I'm I'm curious to find out why. So I would love to to keep having these conversations with you all to to find out uh why in particular you enjoy them. Oh yeah, with pleasure. Honestly. I'll cool. I could go hours with that. <laughs> that <laughs> Donna Justice is um I still I mean I still Oh you know, not right now, Nate. She's not know, saying, I'm not saying that. I'm just I'm just giving you uh I, I you said people enjoy these movies like on their own and have their own thoughts and everything like that, but the point is to share and everything like that. Um it, it's been years and and even with this movie months of me and mark discussing it and i have watched this movie in its entirety countless times and everything and i still will have random text messages that i sent to mark at three o'clock oh, yeah, in the yeah, morning yeah. or something and it's like a <laughs> full like thought out paragraph it's like hey this is like you got fo walk follow me through this is my thought <laughs> process and so having others to join in those conversations is uh definitely one of the better things that came out of this uh cinematic universe yeah yeah and 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 i i do want to i almost did it a few weeks ago where i had a moment to talk about the snyder bros like the that's the toxic community word uh, of people who like these movies and um you know uh, the other communities that i'm a part of you know like this this podcast is a, is a podcast on the dueling genre network so we sh we share a part of a um, a podcast network with others and you know not everyone in, in that network um, is a fan of, of these movies and I I sometimes feel like the resident um, Snyder bro in there but it's like I, I really enjoy Zack Snyder's work and I don't ever want that title over my head and I don't ever want to be seen that way or and so when I whenever I see conversations of you know how these toxic fans are blowing up Twitter or whatever it's called now with a certain hashtag <laughs> and how we're just being um, awful and, and whatever. And I feel like you generalize such a large group of people that enjoy these movies. And so 
I, I, I always like to talk about, um, you know, what's so good about these movies and why we love them. Um, but I've never actually made it an actual statement on the podcast about how I feel about those that are toxic and those that do ruin the image, but I don't think represent us and um, how I am not that. And I, and I certainly don't think Zack Snyder is. And I think that's where some people get a, a lot twisted where they think his movies create that bad behavior. And I don't think it is at all. I think um, quite the opposite. I think there's a lot of people who, I think there's some toxic people on the internet that um, demand sequels to this movie, but I don't think, sounds really weird, but they don't follow the word that's in the movie, you know? Like, I don't think mm. they're getting the message to be better. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, so there's there's some people who hate the movie, or hate these movies, and, and don't understand it, and there's some people who love these movies but don't understand it as well. And I I would love to change both people's minds and persuade them to see the good in it and also act good from from the superhero stories that they that they um, that they consume and get the education from it and then and then apply it to real life. I think that's what superheroes are meant to be as role models. Uh, I think that's why I recommend these movies. I think comic book movies are made for children. I think they should be for children. I think superheroes content is for children because it's for their minds to to get the vitamins, the healthiness of, of lessons of superheroes. And so I, I judge it like these movies that way. And that's how I judge um, Marvel movies as well. It's like, okay, but be healthy because if you're just going to be fast food, then that's not healthy for growing minds and that includes adults too if the end result is like having just conversations like this like actual thought through conversations um i think that's the goal i mean at least if i'm i would like to be that kind of example you know especially with us being adults and actually being able to have real adult conversations about comic book and and stories that are at the core, directed towards children for the imaginative and escapism yeah. purpose. But um, I'll yeah. elaborate on sometime later. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway. we would love to talk about it, Rebecca. Absolutely. Yes, please. Oh Any, gosh, anytime. Yes, anytime. That was the point yeah. of all this. Sorry for <laughs> derailing. Cool. No, no. I would, I would love to talk about it uh, with y'all a little further. All right. We're going to wrap up for today. If you've enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving a five-star review. It really does help the show and helps new listeners discover our show as well. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can chat with us on Twitter at DCEU Minute. And if you'd like to hear more bonus content, we also have a Patreon for just $3 with tons of other podcasts to listen to. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one here on DC Cinematic Minute.